We always say seat time is king, so sit on down and listen in to Motorsports Tech Talk with your hosts, Brian and Eric. Eric, how's it going? Pretty, pretty sweet. You know, always a good weekend when you when you get a tour around on a mini bike and then angrily rip some old wiring out of another car. So, <laughs> good times. Yeah, yeah, we got to hang out and work on the conquest a bit yeah yeah the i mean disassembly is always the definitely the easiest and also <laughs> yes the most fun part um i gotta stop taking things apart and, and start actually putting them together but you know it's it's still there's always more things to take apart it seems like especially when you just keep buying cars like i do yeah you have quite a few cars yeah maybe some would say too many, but yeah. haters. They're probably yeah, they're just haters. But um, yeah, so we made a little bit of progress there. It's it was, we were kind of limited by our toes freezing uh, from this amazing weather. Yeah, I think I've said it before on this podcast, but fuck Michigan. <laughs> very it seems like uh, the michigan weather is getting to everyone this weekend i think there's there's snow in oklahoma and texas and everything right now and they're getting like below freezing big accidents lots of crazy stuff yeah yeah it's never good 100 car pile up in michigan or in texas sorry dallas i think yep yep it's uh not good, not good, but, uh, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully it starts warming up because, uh, I, I don't know how much more I can take of this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, I don't know. It sucks. Like snow itself isn't bad. Uh, I like snow. I can deal with cold too. Um, but it's just all of it, you know, the, it's more humid and cold, you know, uh, at least compared to Colorado, um, obviously. Mm-hmm. And there's salt everywhere and everything rusts. And there's nothing to fucking do because it's flat as shit. So, <laughs> you know, you're just losing half your life over the winter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. There's stuff to do <laughs> if you keep buying things, right? You can buy a snowmobile and buy a jet ski and buy uh, this and that, but... Boo. Yeah, just or or take a lot of flights to warmer places, or, <laughs> yeah, or mountain more mountainous places. Yeah, just keep leaving and it's fine. Don't spend your time <laughs> here, and the winter here is great. Yeah, that's that's how I look at it. <laughs> uh, but well, today we were thinking of doing maybe a little different, I guess, different episode. I mean, similar but different. So right. same same. We we're gonna. We're going to talk about uh, a thing, combination of things we hear online, things maybe our friends have, we've had arguments about, like just things that uh, we thought we'd just have a little chat about and go back and forth on uh, that are kind of near and dear to our hearts. So Yes. Yeah. Um, should be fun. A little less serious. Probably closer to a shit post, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, so I think, so our first topic, so 
This was this was an argument that happened uh, back in the office when we were all at Pratt and Miller. I'm back in those um, days. Back in those days, uh, and basically the way it would go is someone would talk about how you know torque torque doesn't matter it's all about it's all about horsepower horsepower <laughs> i mean i mean the, the i think the saying I, the, there's a saying right like torque wins races horsepower something i don't know yeah i don't know what saying I, you're talking about yeah i can't remember there, there's a saying but whatever it is that they, they're kind of on the opposite end of it, it seems like but basically they're they're argument would be the torque doesn't matter it's just horsepower horsepower wins races torque i don't know pulls your trailer something yeah um but but so my fundamental issue with this right is that they're directly related right so horsepower um and the numbers i'm going to use i guess relate to empirical units so foot pounds and horsepower but power equals torque times RPM divided by 5252, right? That's that's it. Very straightforward, very easy. So if you gave me power at a certain RPM, I could give you that torque. And if you gave me torque at a certain RPM, I could give you the power. It's not like, yeah, it's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's yeah, the horsepower is derived from the torque. So if you have more torque at a given RPM, you also have more horsepower at <laughs> yes. that given RPM. Yes. So, uh, but I think, I think kind of the crux of the argument that they were trying to get to was maybe more comparing, say an engine that makes 800 horsepower, 800 foot pounds, but only revs to 5,000 RPMs and one that makes, uh, you know, revs to 10,000 RPM, so makes same horsepower, but then basically half the torque, or at least peak torque. Um, and I guess, so they would prefer the higher revving, I guess, lower torque one, but I don't know, it, it's, it's a, it's, that's a different argument. Cause then you start getting into maybe like what kind of gear ratios are you using? Like it's, yeah, well, if you, I guess dial it back before you need to care about gear ratios. And if you have, two separate engines and just based off of how high they can rev, you know, so we're uh, comparing a diesel to, you know, your, uh, S 2000 or whatever. Right. Um, if the S 2000 has more power and you're talking about like a drag strip, it's, it's going to win. Right. Um, but, this this idea that horsepower is all that matters is strictly like a Vmax condition, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. that's where the problem is. Um, you know, the 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 more torque or the torquier quote, so to speak, engine um, that you know just doesn't rev as high, um, it'll beat the other car off the line, probably. And then all of a sudden you care about inertia and weight and all that other shit. Um, but, you know, in the first five feet, uh, torquey guy will win. But in a, a VMAX condition, you know, the higher horsepower engine will win. But at least in road racing, the kind of stuff we talk about, um, the concern is that 
you're not always at the optimal spot. There's traffic. Mm -hmm. You have to slow down. You know, uh, maybe it's not enough to downshift, but it really kind of puts you at a shitty spot in your rev range. So now, you know, um, you're trying to make a pass and you're in an unideal position. That's when you want what's described as the torqueier engine. What it really means is at that RPM, it's going to have more fucking power. But yeah, uh, yeah, you know, that's that's where it you know comes from, I guess, in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean the uh, yeah the it it's I guess if you have too much, you you can have too much torque for sure. Sure, if you don't have enough tire grip, you don't have. Uh, you know, if basically if you don't have enough grip, you're not gonna be able to put. Again, it, you can say torque or horsepower. It, just how you want to convert it. Like it, you can have too much horsepower at an RPM or too much torque at an RPM. And, I mean, they're all related directly to each other. But you know, if if you came out of a corner with your turbo car and you have it, you know, it has some like boost creep issues and just sh- shoots up to like 35 psi. Like it's probably just gonna freaking you know, roast those tires coming out. And that's when you don't want low end torque in that case. Um, but if your tires can handle it and go, go all in start over boosting, come out of corners just so you can shoot out of them quicker. And then maybe, maybe you start lowering it higher PMs to keep the efficiency, efficiency of the turbo from falling off too much. But just, I don't know. There's just, it's, I always thought it was a weird, weird argument. Like maybe if you're just talking like the kind of V max or even like drag racing condition where if you have more, all this torque, you're probably just going to spin up the rears anyway. You just need that top end horsepower, which is where you're going to, you know, tune your torque converter and your, you know, two speed trans or your slipper, slipper clutch on your top fuel dragster or, you know, or. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I guess, a good way to think about it in terms of road racing where you're not necessarily grip limited is um, if we if we, you look at uh, two GT4 cars, right? Um, if we look at a flat six-cylinder like a Porsche, revs to like 8,000 RPM, um, and you compare it to the Camaro, right? Your big old V8. Um Coming out of a corner, uh, let's just let's say turn seven at Road Atlanta because Trump Car was just there. So maybe that track is fresh in people's mind, but you know you, you come out of this corner right before a long straight. Um, if you come out of it poorly, you in the Porsche, um, you need to get those ripples up and get in your power band. And if they're not up, you know again you come out of it poorly then the person with, quote, more torque, which really means more power at the lower RPM, um, is going to pass you. But by the mm-hmm. time you get to the end of that very long straight, right, if they don't quite make the pass, um, by the time you get to the end of that very long straight, they're not going to pass you because the Porsche is on par with power, right? There's BOP, they're, they're all similar. Um so you're not getting past at the end of the straight because you got the power. But again, that's as you're approaching your VMAX condition. It's mm-hmm. just always. And then, so again, thinking about a road race condition, 
that puts a lot more pressure on the driver in the car with less torque because you can't really screw up that corner exit. Um, mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you do, it's going to be a lot easier for other people to take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you hear, when you hear someone talk about a torquey engine, they're really just describing where the power band is for that engine. Yeah. So that's, that's all it really means. Yeah. And, but I do think there, there is still some, some more to that argument of, cause I mean, you can't, you can't just take an engine that makes 800 horsepower and just say, okay, now I want it to also make 800 foot pounds of torque. Usually there's, there's a trade off, um, you know, intake runner length, exhaust runner length. Uh, lot, there's, you know, the design of the, the cylinder head ports and the size of the valves and there's, there's just, or, or you know, your turbo sizing, if you're force, in, uh, force injected or force inducted, um, supercharger. Yeah, your supercharger volume and size and pulley, you know, ratio and all this stuff. So there's, 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 well, if, you know, with everything, there's, there's usually trade offs. So if you, I guess, have the opportunity to build the more peaky engine versus the more low end engine, it, I think it does depend on what, it definitely depends on what you're doing. So right. in like an endurance racing situation, I think you would want, the torque of your engine you'd want something that is good in traffic can come out of the corner if you get stuck behind someone can have good kind of launch off that corner quick and either get alongside or at least get back into the draft right away so on the long straight you can get a little extra on there by by keeping in the draft basically so um and then and like and like you said if you it, it lends more to maybe less experienced drivers that might make some mistakes and not carrying good speed through the corner. It, it gives them an opportunity to, to still get some good acceleration out uh, and, you know, avoid being passed and everything. Whereas if all of the, the engine only is really working at the very high RPMs, then it's going to be, you know, good at the end of the straight. But maybe if you messed up the corner before, it just, it, you can't get up to that, you know, high RPM. Right. Uh, and, and then also you start talking about gearing, like with, I mean, if we specifically talk champ car, most, most cars people are racing come are older and just have five speed manuals. And that, that fifth gear is going to be super mega overdrive for the, the highway mileage back in the day. Um, but now that you're racing it, it's, you know, it's that leaves you a lot of times with a usable gear of three and four and, you know, for the longer tracks, a little bit of fifth, but yeah, it's not much to work with. And if your engine only is, is happy at the higher, higher end, it's, you're going to spend really a lot of the time at those lower RPMs most likely. Um, and then if you have more torque, it gives you the opportunity to, to not have to downshift at certain points that maybe can kind of throw off the driver. So right. I think again, like with really any argument, there's not really always a right and wrong answer. Um, I mean, it's definitely wrong to just say I need torque and not horsepower because they both just happen at the same time. You know, that they're both dependent on each other. Yes. But, uh, but as far as choosing, you know, trying to design your engine, uh, or your drivetrain for certain, for it, optimizing it for certain, uh, applications that you're going to want to just, you're going to want to know what you're looking for and right. what kind of tire grip you have. 
what kind of drivers will be driving, what kind of tracks are you going to be going to, what kind of gear ratios are available to you. So, you know, there's there's definitely a lot that goes into it. But um, yeah, specifically talking track racing stuff, I think, uh, especially where you're going to be doing a lot of passing, you're gonna you're gonna want more torque, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, with the passing, you know, if you're going for time attack, then fuck it, you know, uh, rev to the moon and have no torque, right? If no one's going to be in your way and you're confident in your abilities to, you know, keep the engine where it needs to be in terms of RPM, then yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, if you can get a little more power, um, you know, then do that. So, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of, uh, in professional racing, a lot of times, uh, they don't really even get to choose it, but it, it kind of torque chooses them because a lot of times for balance of performance, there's going to be restrictors added, which are just basically going to cut off that, that high end the most and potentially actually improve the low end a little bit by increasing the air velocity at low RPMs. And then of course, eventually stalling it, choking it out at the high. So kind of by necessity, they need to tune for, for kind of lower end performance uh, because of that restrictor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the case of boosted uh, balance of performance vehicles, they if you look at like the boost tables that they allow them to have, a lot of times that the boost really trails off at the high end. So ultimately, a lot of those race cars are going to be that kind of, uh, at least endurance racing cars are going to be tuned that way. So, you know, it's okay. if... In that case, it's not because they decided that was the fastest way around the track. It's more that's how the series decided to to balance them. So right, um, and that's I mean that's part of the reason why uh, the uh, at least up till the C seven, the V eight and those was only two valves per cylinder, which you know you you you'd kind of be like you'd just be thinking like how how the heck like freaking my my Corolla has four valves per cylinder like every car since like late 80s early 90s all, any little grocery get a car is four valves per cylinder so like how how could they get away with two valves well you know the restrictor allowed really they found that they didn't need the extra airflow from adding the additional valves which gives you a little more uh potentially more, more valve open area uh, they just found with the restrictor they didn't need it, and they would rather simplify, reduce the parts, reduce friction, reduce weight, and and since at the end of the day it's all bounce of performance out, then they really don't have to worry too much. Right. So yeah, for the most part, you don't have to worry. Sometimes you can make your car so awful that the other cars can't be <laughs> reined in with bop, but yeah, or they can't push you up enough. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting discussion, but uh, but yeah, you could you could just go on and on about uh, yeah different kind of nuances of it, but uh, but I guess kind of related to yeah, like I mean, torque versus horsepower. Speaking of no torque and kind of actually no power. <laughs> uh, recently, I've seen a lot of people saying the uh, the Miata is a momentum car, which is true. So. Boom. <laughs> Moving uh, on. Next subject. That's no, it. no, no. Uh, okay. This this whole momentum car thing, or oh, he drives me out as a lot, so he's a good momentum driver. So he's if yeah. you put him in a Corvette, he's gonna be faster than 
the other guys in Corvettes. Yeah. But that's, uh, so Eric, let me ask you here. So when you, when you drive a car, right Yes. on a track, mm. do you, do you try to keep the, the maximum amount of speed through a corner as possible? Or do you purposely try to overbrake uh, just to stop all the Miatas behind you from passing you and then gun it on the straight? Yeah, dude, in the Cadillac, fuck those Miatas. <laughs> we, we just talked about this. I got that V8 with all the torque. Over slow a bit, you know. You can do it in a Camaro, too. Yeah, but, but if you were to say actually take the corner correctly, trail break in, mm-hmm. Uh, hit the apex, accelerate out perfectly. You would just gap them, Yada, and you never see them. Yeah. Uh, so the concept, I don't think, is hey, you're trying to keep your minimum corner speed up. It's more of a relationship of based off the car how important that minimum corner speed is. Right. With a Miata, you've got yeah. dick all. You know the the. The benefit is it's a lightweight, so you can have a high corner speed, um, and that's it. Like if you screw up, you don't have any power to help regain that speed. You're just kind of boned. So for the Miata, it's a momentum car because by necessity, you know, you need to keep that minimum corner speed up. Whereas the CTSV or yeah, any and you know, not Miata really. Um, you know, yeah, you have the same goal but it's a lot more forgiving so at least when you're talking about drivers like you mentioned you know some guy coming out of spec me out into another car um you know the, they're they're better at it because they pay a higher penalty for it yeah so i mean the but I mean, you kind of said it yourself when you said if you mess up in the corner then you're going to be you you need to maintain the momentum, but how about you just not mess up in any car? If like I said, if 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 you're stuck behind some guy with more horsepower than you, I, I get it. I, I understand the situation that people are kind of talking about. It's you're at the track day, or you're at a ch- champ car race, and you're stuck behind this Mustang and your Miata, and you just you can't get by him because you need to. Your lap time, a lot of your lap time comes from taking the corners faster than they can. And, you know, they're just very slow in the corners. But my argument is is you should be able to make that Mustang nearly as fast in a corner with the right tires, with enough tire. Yes, it's going to be heavier, um, but potentially you can make it corner nearly as well as a Miata. And if it does that, then it's just going to be faster everywhere. It's just going to be faster. I I think it's more, there's... You're, no, no, you're you're cheating the argument because now you're just talking about faster cars. Like no shit, a DPR car, DPI car is faster than a GT3 car. Like, oh wow, it's faster in the corners and has more power. Wow, it's faster. Like, no shit. The, 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 I think the point is just the importance and how the importance of different is stressed, you know, throughout different platforms. So, I, I mean, I understand with, like, so you, you say you take a, okay, you take a 400 horsepower Mustang and a 200 horsepower Miata, or I guess more realistically, a hundred horsepower Miata and a 200 horsepower Mustang. 
<laughs> in like shake in a champ car situation uh you know so that's that should be roughly i mean let's just make the numbers easy and then of course the miata weighs two thousand pounds the mustang weighs four thousand pounds so their powder mm-hmm. weight's the same um but one has a lot more horsepower and uh, this is then you start getting the lifted lifted drag and all this stuff but i mean those should do about the same lap time but of course the mustang's gonna be slower in the corners it's going to have more mass i mean honestly it should be slower overall because of we've talked about this in a previous episode the tire load sensitivity mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah, the, say the maybe you equalized the maybe you added 20 more horsepower to, to to compensate for that so ultimately these are doing the same lap time but because of the mass is reducing the tire grip by as you increase that load uh then the Mustang does have less grip in the corners, but it has a little more power to weight coming out. So I agree that in this, in that instance, you know, you're going to get stuck. The Miata will get stuck behind the Mustang because you will not be able to, unless you make some super, uh, you know, aggressive move and dive bombs them to get them out of position and then blocks them all the way up the straight. It's, it's basically going to be almost impossible for the Miata to pass you know, without some traffic or, or anything getting in the way. So I, I damn son, it sounds, it sounds to me like you're saying all the Miata's lap time comes from momentum. No, what I'm saying is they need, you need, if you're going to endurance race, you need more power because then you can easily pass people and never get stuck. So just to, uh, summarize a bit, the Miata is a momentum car, but you think it's a bad platform for Trump car, champ car. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> I guess answer your first point, kind of. Answer to your second point, yes. Now, I think the Miata is great to drive, and it's going to be fun for your team. But in specifically talking champ car, I mean, limited. you're a little bit limited by fuel capacity, and yes, you have to if you're if you're driving a race like at Road Atlanta or Watkins Glen, where it's just super super busy, lots of cars, you got to keep passing them to get your lap time. I mean, yeah, I, I feel that you'd be better off with some, you know, big horsepower car that, you know, it still should handle well. I mean, you can't you can't just show up with something that has four hundred treadwear tires on it and just almost rolls over in the corners like if. You can make, I mean, uh, having driven uh, the uh, Van Buren boys Ultima at a few races, I mean, the car runs with RE71s at least in the last few events. And there were plenty of times where like at the infield at Daytona going through the, the, the regular turns, not the big banked ones, I was able to pass Miatas on the outside with this giant Ultima. Of course, that's some of the Miatas. There's going to be fast Miatas, slow Miatas. I mean, you know, they can vary widely. But, I mean, I just taking my very much so not defined as a momentum car car, and I was carrying momentum right around the outside of these Miatas that you th- you would think would be able to break and, and turn better. But Well, I mean, they probably could. It case. just sounds like shitastic driving. Yes, uh, it could definitely be driver mod, I agree. So, um I just, I just hate the idea of like, uh, th- there's momentum, good, good at momentum drivers. That, that's what you call a good driver. 
if you're a bad yes. Atlanta, it, I, I can only drive Mustangs. Like, well, I don't, <laughs> you can only drive Mustangs slowly. Is that what you're saying? Like, you can't handle Miata. I don't know. It's, I think the goal here is for us to maintain momentum, as much momentum as possible through every corner and every part of the track. So, yeah, that's, that's a good goal. Just some cars will be able to do more. <clears throat> that's all. But yeah, I mean, go ahead. I mean, I, I, but I understand the frustration, uh, having driven the GWR E30, which is on the other end of like that momentum car versus horsepower car kind of between the Altima and the E30. They're kind of on the exact opposite ends of the spectrum. The E30 was set up with maximum arrow, maximum tire, as little weight as possible. Whereas the Altima was basically maximizing power, of course, still reducing weight as much as possible for better acceleration and handling, but it's still front wheel drive and it's still not going to probably handle as well as a, an E30 can, especially with when it has a bunch of arrow on it. And yeah, I mean, there was, there were times where depending on the track, you'd get behind someone and your lap time goes down like five, six seconds a lap. Whereas, uh, with the Altima, you just, for the most part, you're either as fast as people through the corners or, or a little bit slower for the most part. And then once you get to the straight, you just hit the go pedal and you're gone and you don't even have to, I mean, they can try to block you, I guess, but you you can find a way by, or they're going to just get black flag for blocking you down the straight or something. But lame. So I, I get it. I get the, I get the, what people are trying to get to here, but I just hate the whole, this is a momentum car. Like every car, if you want to go fast, every car should be a momentum car. You should be. But some cars it matters to more than others. Right. Isn't that no. what we just said? You can put a should well, driver in a Mustang in chump car, and they might be able to keep up with someone who's a better driver in a Miata because that car's strength is, you know, not through the corner. Whereas that's the only place you can make lap time in the Miata. Well, but but that's that's when a car it if the car is just say in, in that example that I gave where it has like a little more than two hundred horsepower to make up for the load sensitivity of the tire versus the hundred horsepower Miata, then yes, I mean, or, or no, and, and I feel like in that situation if the driver is five percent worse than the Miata driver, then he's still going to be able to get by because he's just that much faster. But if now I think what the situation you're trying to talk about is the Mustang has like three hundred horsepower. So he's way faster in the straight. So yeah, he can drive like absolute crap, and then no, I mean and then it's just not hit the necessarily dog shit. But you know, if um, you know, so far until now, you know, when we were making the comp- comparisons, we were talking about maximizing minimum corner speed. Which if you can do that, you're driving it perfectly, right? So. Same scenario of having a perfect driver in a Miata and then subtract three to five percent from driver skill and put them in a higher power car. They're not going to lose so much around the corner that they can't just pass them on the next straight. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is when we, I guess, get a little into the weeds of, yeah, what track, how long is the straight? 
exactly what is the power of the car. But I, I mean, but I mean, but, without getting into the weeds, it's it's all really to me. It's all about the comparison of where the car's strength is and how to make it go fast. Right. The only way to make a Miata go fast is corner speed, especially yeah, I mean, compared if, to higher horsepower cars. Right. Like that's just. I mean, yeah. So. I mean, yeah, but if you added horsepower to the Miata, it would just be faster. But you're not. I don't know. It's like... the thing, right? That's what makes it a, horse, a momentum car is you're not. If you show up with a boosted K-swap Miata, I'm not going to call that a momentum car, right? Because that's... You're not? No. What, what, if you're, what if you're then racing your boosted K-swap Miata against a boosted Mustang? Is, is it still the momentum car? Well, I guess it depends on the Mustang now. <laughs> right if it's a gt500 i i guess yeah one of them still has like 300 more horsepower than the other but but then but then you take that k-swap turbo miata and put it up against a, a spec miata now the spec miata is going to be the momentum car of course yes. i don't think the spec miata Especially will ever see the, the spec miata will ever see the k miata with a with a turbo and everything ever again because it's just gonna it should just fly off into the distance i would hope yes but I mean, so, I mean, I just, I don't understand calling a Miata a momentum car. I mean, you could call a Mustang a momentum car if you're driving it fast. Uh, if you're racing a Fox body against a new GT500, then yeah, the Fox body is now the momentum car. <laughs> it's it's a comparison. So it's, so it's relative. It's, yes. a, it's a relativity. Yes. Okay. So I think, I think that that's where we're getting to the. I think that's where I could start to agree with you. It's 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 comparing two things, but just saying universally, a Miata is a momentum car. Well, I feel I like just, now it's, we can. It's widely accepted that Miatas, everything has more power than a Miata. Your, yeah, basically, your fucking Camry has more power than a Miata. So in the <laughs> in the in the uh, comparison against the world, where one car just always has is at the bottom you can kind of hand wave and just call it the momentum car because no matter what you compare it against it's it's the you know yeah i guess globally on average it's the momentum car when you compare two cars yes it's going to come out the momentum car more often than not okay so but I guess I, the part that annoys me the most is just the, the whole like because you because I drive a Miata, I'm better at momentum, and I'm just put me in a in a F1 car, and I'm just going to be able to be faster than the the guy who drives the Mustang at the track day. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack there. Maybe I just I don't know. It, yeah, if you're a fast driver, you should be fast in whatever car you're in. Um, I mean, I would agree that say racing in spec Miata is a great way to kind of hone your race craft and uh you know be fast but if you're not mo maintaining momentum in your spec Miata well the guys in the spec Miatas that are mo maintaining their momentum will be winning yeah so no absolutely <laughs> if you suck at driving in a spec Miata just because you're in a Miata doesn't mean you're a quote momentum driver you know yeah. you you just suck right yeah so. but I think some of that also comes from the concept that, um, you know, low-powered cars um, or anything, you know, the bikes or, um, well, I guess that's about it. That's probably all you put on track. Um, 
is is a good learning tool because again you know if you scrub off too much corner speed you're kind of bummed you know you've yeah. got 20 seconds until the next corner to think about it because you're going <laughs> so slow yeah and honestly where what i would start to argue is that the driver of the higher powered car has to be better to get the full lap time out of it because most of the cars i've driven in, in champ car at least and 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 then also my spec miata it's you can be pretty much kind of on off switch on the throttle like as soon as you're ready to exit the corner you're going full throttle and you're not going to spin I, I remember one time i sp spun the tires on my spec miata in second gear coming up turn five in, at pittsburgh and i thought something broke or something on the car because i was like what what is this what, what is happened? this wheel spin what just happened but uh, uh I, I think if you then take a car that's you know 400 horsepower and race it in champ car and and try to get really fast lap times and i feel like you'd have to be a lot better because you need to manage that throttle you have to try to keep the speed up in the corner and you're probably dealing with a lot more weight of the vehicle so making sure you, you're getting the load transfer right in the brake zones and trail braking and I don't know, I just, I feel like a very low power and low grip car, or I guess low, high power, low power, high grip car is going to be very easy to drive. Whereas a high power medium, I guess medium grip car is going to be, it's going to start, if you don't have traction control and everything, that's where it's going to, I think the skill starts coming in. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot to unpack there with skill, right? Um, certainly the um i would say the lower powered car high grip will tell the driver um a lot more significantly when they're screwing up right like hey you can get on throttle a lot sooner you know you don't need nearly as much brake um i think it overlays that or relays that i guess to the driver much better um so i I kind of agree, but I think there's a huge driver mod variable in there, right? Yeah. Um, just because I, I think to get 10 tenths out of anything is difficult, but, you know, if you compare a pro's time to an amateur's time in like a gt3 car which all of a sudden now we're talking about more grip i get um it's a lot closer than in slower cars um so you know it, it might be harder maybe to drive the slower car fast again now there's driver aids that we're talking about or some um yeah i i just think now talking about this there's there's too much of a driver mod thing to unpack um but mm, yeah but i guess well because the thing is i guess like the gt2 class right the new class um the car is made to have a low corner speed lots of power minimal aero um you know it's it's targeted at amateur you know and gentleman drivers who want to go faster but you know it'll be a little bit safer because you have lower corner speed um 
I think that'll be easier to get closer to a pro's timeout than, you know, something that maybe doesn't have quite as much power. Um, again, they're still not going to get the pro's time, but they'll get closer. So ratio-wise, maybe it's easier. Um, you know, but again, like I said, the, the lower power car, I think, personally, like in my experience, communicates when you've screwed up so well to you that, you know, it's probably the best learning tool for that anyway, for that specific application. Um, so I mean, I think there's a lot to, I think, I think lower power cars are good learning tools because then you're going slower when you make that mistake, <laughs> a lot less energy there. But I don't know, I guess in, in my experience watching champ car races, I just noticed a lot of uh, maybe the, the really, really fast champ cars that maybe because of kind of how the champ car rules are and and different handling mods are kind of restricted, it, a lot of times those cars are going to have maybe more power than a lot of the field. Uh, but then they still have similar tire grip and, and maybe they don't have any points for arrow. So the cars are going to be... Uh, less less stable at those sustained higher speeds that they're reaching since they're just more powerful. So I, I feel like I've noticed when, when their maybe their ringer driver gets in, there's a really big gap between their ringer driver and maybe, you know, whoever's their slowest driver. Whereas some of these, you know, some of the Miatas are arrowed out E thirties. Uh, it seems like no matter who's in the car, they're able to do kind of close lap times, but I don't know that, that there could be a lot there again, just how the car was set up and right. Well, and that's all AMS compared to AMS, right? Um, you know, and then I, mm-hmm. I, again about the learning tool thing too, right? Like, I think you'll see a lot of people in slow cars get closer to the faster person on their team's lap time than in the fast car. Like, you'll see better driver progression throughout the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe comparing Saturday morning isn't the same as comparing Sunday evening. Um, and some of that comes down to, you know, you mentioned being smooth on throttle application and whatnot. Um, you know, if you're in the GWR E30, which I think those guys did a fantastic job of making that car very easy to drive. I mean, and that was their goal, right? You know, you can make the car a little faster but it'll be more on edge. Um, whereas mm-hmm. if you make it easy for anybody who's renting to get in and put down a good lap time, that's honestly, I think that's a good champ car strategy. Um, so, but yeah. I digress. Um, I guess when you're not, when your hair is not on fire, right? <laughs> you're not an amateur in a car that has more power and less weight than you're used to, right? You're not in the, Riley Corvette or anything, right? Um, you know, you go through a very simple corner, let's just say, you know, for just for the example, right? You go through 11 inch Ingerman, right? It's like a 90 degree right hander, flat, easy. Um, Mm -hmm. you go through and you end up sort of in the middle of the track, just letting the car do what it needs to. Oh, shit. I could have gone faster. Whereas if you're, you know, you had too low of a corner speed um, in a faster car, 
right? So the car could have gone through the corner faster, but because you're maybe not as smooth getting off the brakes or onto the throttle, you know, back end steps out, maybe just a little bit, you save it. Maybe you're near the edge of the track now. You don't know what the fuck's going on, right? So that's, um, I feel like we've really left the argument of what's, <laughs> what a momentum car is, but um, yeah, I, I guess that's, that's why slow cars are good learning tools. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I guess going back to the momentum car thing, I guess to kind of wrap that all up, we're, we're, we've come to an agreement here that it's, it's, it's a relative term. If, if all the cars on track are all Miatas, then I mean, they're, I guess maybe one, maybe if, that's when you like that. You can say that uh, the one six spec Miata is the, is the momentum car and the, one eight ninety nine, you know, NA one car is the is power the car. Power car, but but then but the the gap margins here are super tiny now, so it's relative. And if on a global scale, you you take every car ever made and <laughs> maybe not ever made because then you have really old cars that are that might bump the Miata a little bit out of the whole momentum car since average. the nineties maybe or something. Yeah, you look at like eighties, nineties, and and up. Then yeah you take all those cars, put them all together. You have like the Miata, uh, Lotus Elise, uh, like key, you know, K cars from Japan and on one side, but on average, they're mostly going to be momentum cars. Whereas, yeah, you take your Rolls Royce, uh, ghost or flying spur phantom, whatever. And your Mustang and your challenger Hellcat, those guys go all the way on the left side. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think I think I can agree with you there. Like, but still, I mean, you take a Hellcat and then you take a Bentley Continental GT, you know, Super Sport or whatever. Like, okay, now the Hellcat's the momentum car in this situation. So I don't. Is it? It's maybe I don't know. I I guess the Super Sport. I, I don't know it's exactly how much horsepower. It's, yeah. it's heavier. The Bentley's definitely heavier. I don't know. Like, they're it? both really heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's when it, I guess starts to get uh difficult to compare but you know it's maybe maybe there's 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 the apex predator of power cars i don't know like a bentley or not bentley a bugatti chiron i don't know maybe yeah versus and then i don't know versus some tiny not even i guess yeah if we do the cutoff in the 90s even then you could probably find a tiny little like smart car or something that's more momentum car-y but anyway, I, I think I agree. We I think we came to agreement here. It's it's relative, but Miata is most more often than not gonna be the momentum car in the situation. Yeah. But but I guess <sighs> we talked about tire loading a little bit. And since we're talking about stupid arguments, um wider tires. Mm. What do they do? Are they worth the it? Wider tires. You know what? I think in a lot of situations they are worth it. You can definitely go too big though. So I think the argument I'm trying to remember the argument we had, another one we had at Pratt, going back and forth. Um and it was about uh something to do with tire pressure and wider tires. Mm. And some people were saying you don't get anything from it. So here's oh yeah, because 
Yeah, they were arguing that like, uh, yeah, like the tire. I don't know. It, if you use the same tire pressure on a wide tire versus not wide tire, that because the weight of the car is the same, the yes. contact patch will be the same. That, well, that that's true though, right? So here's uh, again. I, I guess I don't remember exactly the argument. So now I'm just rambling, and it sounds kind of stupid, but. Um, <laughs> the concept was, um, or to me is, if you have two tires, um, one's wider than the other, but all else is the same. And that's very key here, mm-hmm. all else being the same. You know, and then on cars of the same weight, same tire pressure, you just, you change the shape of the contact patch. But that mm-hmm. tire, again all else being the same and constant tire pressure is a spring. If your vehicle weight hasn't changed, you know, that the amount of compresses that spring is also the same. It's, it, you know, same, same, but different. There'll be a different shape because mm-hmm. the wider tire is wider, but your contact patch area will be the same. And that's, that's my argument. The, the thing to note, though, is that it's not the same because with the wider tire, um, generally what you're trying to do is be able to use a lower pressure for the same or a similar vertical uh, rate. Um, and then now, you know, not, now it's not the same, I guess, right? Yeah, so if you switch to the wider tire, it also has more, you know, thermal capacity. Uh, so if you know, tr- normally running at lower pressures will increase that tire pressure, tire temperature. Yes. Uh, so by going to the wider tire, you now can run a lower pressure without overheating the tire, and then potentially have more grip. So, uh, but there's this, there's so much to it because in, in you know, and everything being the same argument, you're also saying you know the tire. Uh, compound is the same and so yeah. it's it starts to it's it, it's entirely just mental masturbation of like okay yeah. now you're just changing the aspect or not I was going to say aspect ratio but because that's already a phrase commonly used in tires it's not here the form factor you're changing the form factor I guess but pretending it's the exact same tire otherwise um which doesn't exist in the wild as far as I'm aware, but yeah, it's a fun thing to talk about and discuss. Yeah. I mean, you're also assuming that contact patch equals lap time. Like that's the only thing that matters for lap time. If that's the case, then just drive with a flat tire. Cause that has the greatest contact patch True. possible. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't think that'll, that might not go well for you. I mean, you can try it. I don't, I wouldn't, you know, don't try this at home kids kind of thing, but, uh, then yeah, I mean it'll have the, the largest contact patch, but there, you know, there's so much that goes into it: sidewall stiffness, quartering stiffness, uh, yeah, compound temperatures, uh, the camber of the car, the camber curve. It's just there's a lot that goes into it, and that's not all else for, being the same though. Yeah, I know. All else being the same, sure. If you're driving in a straight line, not spinning the tires. Yeah, you're probably going to, you know, you're going to actually lose in that case with the wire tire because you have more drag now. And more running resistance. Yeah, so. Um, but I, I always thought it was, 
kind of an annoying argument uh, that would that would be had because like I agree the contact patch will be the same with the same pressure because you know it's just the same force uh, you know uh, force reaction with the ground but uh, yeah there's just there's so much more to it and I think in if we kind of bring it back to an endurance racing scenario I I have found that the wider tire usually helps because at least if it doesn't give you more lap time it'll give you more longevity in the tire which again will also help yeah but yeah that's that was another that was another kind of almost it was almost more like a riddle or like a brain yeah know, but exactly it's, it's just a it's a fun thing to discuss it's not really a realistic because again that these two tires in our minds don't exist to yeah. compare but it's just Fun. Yep. It goes back to, yep. I guess, tire fundamentals. So. Yep. Yeah. So I, I guess one thing that does annoy me though is just when I mean, uh, one example would be the the Toyota the, the latest Toyota Supra. Stop. Not picking it because. <laughs> not picking it because I work for Toyota, but more because it's it it's been a polarizing subject in the automotive community. Yes, uh, but everyone's just everyone's just saying, oh, it's it's just a BMW. It's just a BMW. It's just a Z4. Is it though? I mean, if it was, then it would be a Z4 because you can just buy a Z4. I mean, they're they're but they're different cars. But I agree, they're both manufactured by Magna, Steyr, or whatever. I, I can't remember the, the the Austrian plant that does it. But they're all they're both manufactured in the same place. They were, whereas the Z4, I mean, the platform was a joint venture between Toyota and BMW. But uh, yeah, I mean, it just it just starts to get to the what what is a car? What is it, these are brands? uh what makes a car a car yeah i mean it i mean I, I i know you identify cars as different brands i mean it's it's a good way to identify them but i mean if yeah i mean brands for the most part in today's world are just logistics companies right yeah they just yeah i mean they they take there's only, there's there's very few things that the oes will do all themselves um, I mean, the, the major things are, are, you know, kind of body structures, chassis, monocoques, or, uh, uh, you know, uh, just any sort of body structure and crash design, you know, crash testing and designing. And that, that's done for the most part in house. Uh, and then a lot of times engines are usually done in house, uh, depends I mean, in some cases, you can have a different brand engine in another car, but usually it's the major manufacturers that are that are going to be designing those from scratch and a lot of times manufacture themselves. I mean, parts of the engine won't be done. Like, you know, the pistons will be from Male and the rods will be from Male too, maybe. Like, it's just... Yeah. There'll still be suppliers for certain parts in the engine, but maybe the overall design is, is more oe based than other things whereas you know like the the fancy little radar sensors on the front of every car now that can do radar cruise control that's just done by like continental or whatever sensor maker that they buy and then of course they do their own programming to make them work but mm -hmm. 
it's just it's yeah there's a lot of suppliers they're sourcing from these suppliers and putting it all together into one thing and selling it so but dude uh two jay-z <laughs> and now you got this thing yeah the, the two jay-z can't can never be beaten it's the greatest engine ever i mean it's Not. it's a great engine if you if you want to make a thousand horsepower on an engine with buy an LS. stuff to modify it. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is you, you have to like the people who make those high horsepower builds modify it. And, uh, again, this is, it's Yamaha worked on it. So, um, I mean, is, is the Mark four Supra Yamaha? No, but I, I guess does another company working on an engine, even if it's just part of it, invalidate it? But also, like, yeah, dude. I mean, if you're replacing the bottom end of your two JZ, I can I can do that with an LS seven too. Make a shit ton <laughs> of power, right? I'll turbo that. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I I guess I don't understand the uh, minus the fact that. Uh, Brian Earl Spilner drove one and it was legit. Uh, I yeah. don't really understand otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. A quick sidebar. I, it's disappointing that he never raced it in race wars. Like he brought it there, they built it for race wars and then maybe he did and they just didn't show it on screen, but he could have won some sick pink slips with that thing. I think, uh, well, I don't know at all, but I'm just going to go ahead and say, he was planning on racing it, and they got in the fight because, you know, Johnny Tran's out there calling people narcs and them's fighting words, boy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, and then the whole, and then they went to go bust the truck up again. So, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Life happens. Anyway. You got to rob trucks. So it's whatever. <laughs> That's what we do when you're a family, right? Yeah. We're a family. <laughs> But, um, I mean, going back specifically to to Jay-Z, I think when you break it all down to reason why it's so kind of, I guess, legendary is it kind of just kind of mostly comes down to the block, of course. And there's a lot of things that bolt to it, but I mean, the block itself, uh, there's some cool videos online you can watch where people are comparing like the two Jay-Z block to the RB 26 that's in the R32 to R34 GTR in, in, in one way or another. Um, and just comparing those two blocks, I mean, obviously the, it, the 2JZ is more displacement, but just comparing the two block for block, like 2JZ has more cylinder bore, cylinder wall thickness. It has a higher deck thickness and a larger bearing journal. So it's like, it's just, it's, it's beefed out. It's a beefcake. Mm -hmm. I mean, the impressive part, though, is also if you just weigh the two blocks, though, with all those differences, the the 2JZ is still lighter than the RB block. So it's, yeah. in this case, just Toyota did a better job than Nissan in designing a block. Now, honestly, I would say that they probably could have made it so much lighter because if this block survives at 2,000 horsepower, it does it probably though? didn't need... Like, are they not... Are those people not filling their blocks with cement and shit? Uh, does the stock block actually last for that? I mean, they're probably filling it at that point, but I think you, I mean, they're not again, building like at least, maybe you yeah. make, you can do one pass down the drag strip, you know, without, right? Like there's a lot of things where people will 
it's, it's stock block, stock bottom end, whatever. They'll have the record, but like, you know, the next pass they try, it, it blows up. So mm-hmm. I, it, it does become a reliability thing. And that's part of the reason why the 2JZ block is so strong is because they just, they factor in, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, cycles and, and there's, it's, it's very reliable. It's going to last a long time at the stock power level, or it'll last sometime at a very very high power level so right well and some of it also comes from that architecture too right um i think we've discussed it before but when you talk about in a straight six you compare the number of cylinders to the number of bearings and then compare that to a v8 you know i mean yeah it's just that ratio specifically um for distributing load is better right yeah yeah i just the i don't know i think a lot of this i mean a lot of it's the nostalgia of these older cars that people they they almost just want toyota to make the mark IV super again so they can buy it at not like 50 grand used yeah. like they are now priced um and then we you know with apple carplay and everything right in you know from the get-go but mm-hmm. so like I, I understand that perspective but like I don't know. I, I would say that the new Supra is basically better in every way than a stock Mark IV Supra, like on many levels, handling, I mean, power, fuel economy, um, uh, live, you know, comfort, livability. It's got all the nice interior features. Like, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's similar, similar to the Supra as far as the interior is my 99 Eclipse. I sit in that thing and, it's just super plasticky and creaky. I don't know. It's like it's not like the interior is anything to be super impressed by. Right. I mean, I mean, that, that was the character of the cars, though, back then. It was kind of don't to worry too much about interior quality. Just put it all into the drivetrain and making it fast and, and affordable, which, again, I'm perfectly fine with. But I don't know. I think it's just a lot of people that they wanted a, a Mark V Super that was just a Mark IV with some updated trimmings and stuff. Um, but what they got was this BMW abomination. But um, I mean, has anybody like really pushed that engine yet either? Like it's still, if it's got the same layout, you know, um, obviously there, as technology improves, um, you can simulate what you're going to have real world a lot closer um, or a lot better. So then they're not going to leave as much margin in. So that's definitely a factor, but, you know, I mean, has anybody really pushed that engine yet? Like, people are complaining about with how much power it came with stock. Well, I mean, the fucking Supra Mark IV came with zero power stock, right? It's like 330 or something. So I think it was, like, I think it was around 300, maybe 320. But yeah, I mean the the latest Supra with the update, uh, they did an update to the engine. It makes I think three hundred and sixty or three hundred eighty or something. So and way more torque too. Um, doesn't matter, but uh, but it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. The argument I like to make when when talking this whole oh it's not a Supra, it's not a Toyota is for one if Toyota just took the um, the LC. LC, right? LC. So they're the big Lexus rear wheel drive GT car, which is, you know, the Supra is kind of a GT car 
style car, higher power, bigger engine, not the greatest handling, but you know, but you know, good in a straight line and everything. So it's similar stuff. They took the LC mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, and then put a Toyota badge on instead. And, you know, maybe they, they take out some of the sound deadening, all the fancy, you know, sound deadening stuff down. You make the interior Toyota interior to, you know, kind of cheapen and everything. And then, and then sold it for 50 grand and, and said, Hey, look, this V6 twin turbo, uh, or and there's a V8 option too. This is the Mark Four or Mark Five Supra. Oh, I, I feel like that would be less related than this, you know, BMW uh, joint venture that has a straight six turbo, rear-wheel drive, two-seater. I guess it's a little different that it's not a two plus two anymore, but it's still, it's. I'd say it's more. I'd say it's more of a Supra than if they did. Uh, you know, did what I said, it modified something they had existing. Cause they, they don't have any, Toyota doesn't sell a straight six engine anymore, at least in commercial, uh, regular cars, passenger cars. And maybe they have some commercial thing in Japan that I don't know about, but they, it's all V sixes, maybe turbo, you know, they have the turbo V six in the LS. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, uh, you know, they have some V8s, uh, the V8 that's in the LC. So, it, I don't know. It, it just gets to the point where, would that have been? Would that have been? A, I mean, yes, it would be a Toyota then, at least more, I guess, all-in-house Toyota. But I don't know if it would really be a Supra. It's just, that's that's kind of my take on it. Yeah. And I guess my other take is, if BMW didn't come in and, and they didn't work on this together with Toyota... It probably would never have just been there just would not be a mark five supra so right. it's, if if it didn't exist then no one would have anything to complain about but they also wouldn't have a sweet car uh to drive yeah so, they, they just wouldn't have anything yeah yeah but i mean this but i mean this argument can be kind of said for the you know there's a lot of cars the, the frs brz you know g i guess 86 uh, are RIP FRS, but uh, yeah, eighty six now. Um, those cars, I don't think they like my. So, so my understanding of those cars is it's actually a lot more Subaru than Toyota for those. Um, yeah, I mean they're fucking boxer engine, right? Exactly, and so people aren't. I mean, I don't really see people saying, "Oh, that's that Toyota GT eighty six. I, it's just a Subaru. I hate. I hate that." I don't know. I, I, I don't. Well, as a just to interject real quick, uh, I feel like the people who complain most about the five, uh, the Mark V Supra, are JDM people. Mm. So they don't really give a fuck if it's a, a Subaru. They're just mad that the Germans worked on it. <laughs> they don't. They don't really care that it's you know BMW. It's yeah. just It's not Japanese, bro. JDM, yeah. life, spelled with a Y. Yeah, I mean it, it. It's it's different for sure. Um, but I don't know. I, I still think they're they're pretty sweet cars. I'd love to. I haven't driven one yet, but I'd love to drive one at some point. I mean, yeah, it'd be fun. The way the way I look at it is, it's a BMW that you can go to a Toyota deal, Toyota dealership to buy and and maintain. Although actually, I think they probably had send you off to the BMW. <laughs> dealership when you service it but 
um, I don't know. It's just if 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 it if it has that Toyota reliability that uh, that everyone looks for in a BMW, I don't know. That that seems like a it seems like a win win to me. Win win. Of course, yeah. It's it's still BM very much BMW. So we'll, I guess we'll have to see. But uh, since it was jointly done, every you know, Toyota had a had a you know had a say in everything. So yeah, if if some reliability numbers weren't up to up to par, uh, then yeah, I'm sure they'd say something. Of course, I don't. I work for Toyota, but I don't know <laughs> any of these inner workings uh, since that project was uh, not done in North America. But um, it's. Yeah, it's it it's it'll be. I mean, I guess we'll have to see about the, the reliability side. But I don't know. It's it's a car that might not have existed if two companies didn't come together and and make a plan to you know to make this car. Maybe the Z4 wouldn't have had another generation if it wasn't for this. So right, yeah, just splitting costs. You know, uh, however they did it, it might have been the end of well, maybe not. Wouldn't be the end of the Super, it just wouldn't have continued, and then it might have been the end of the Z4. Yeah. So. So, yeah, it's just, we can, there's there's so many cars. I mean, there, there's even uh, the gray imports of, of the 90s, you know, your Eagle Talons yeah. that are just Mitsubishi Eclipses and Dodge Stealths and uh, Mitsubishi 3000 GTs. Like, those are straight up just rebadged, but. Yeah, well, that whole Dodge Mitsubishi thing is. You know, there's a lot of cars between those two where they're just same, same, same. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting for sure. Plymouth I, you know, that, that was, yeah, that was, that was in the time period where Mitsubishi was limited in their imports because of, you know, government regulations. And at the time they weren't able to, they were still working on trying to build factories in the U S. So as a, as a workaround, they did these gray imports where they just send a bunch of uh, cars over at least not in the in the eclipse uh for the eclipse those were actually made in the u.s whereas like uh you know for example chrysler conquest mitsubishi starion um like cars like that they were just shipped over with no badges on chrysler just bop, pops one on there and oh this is a chrysler so then you know they're basically chrysler's buying mitsubishis and then selling them as chryslers in order to allow mitsubishi to send more cars over so mm -hmm. that's that's a whole different thing whereas i think yeah in the case of the super it's more you know, two companies helping split costs same with subaru and toyota yeah because you know sports cars can be expensive to develop and they don't they don't sell as well as you know crossover nowadays no they don't yeah you gotta gotta have so, that cuv dude it's all the rage yeah like people people complain about the the porsche uh cayenne it dilutes the brand and the, the, the what's the the smaller suv now mccann or something mm -hmm. mcgann uh yeah you have all these and have all these big porsches it's like ah oh, it's it should just be 911s but if it wasn't for those cars they probably would have gone out of business potentially yeah i mean they make a shitload of money right they wouldn't have all these other cars that they sell That's so um, yeah yeah it's just it's just another one of those arguments that uh that you see on the interwebs and in comment sections of Facebooks and Jalopniks and Car and Driver and just yeah. It's you know 
if you if you just ignore most of the facts, I guess you can you can make kind of dumb arguments. <laughs> I think that's that's really for anything. Yeah, <laughs> just ignore the facts and you're fine. You're good. Uh, yeah. So, well, I think that's it's kind of all of our our rants for the day. Um, yeah, it's a it's a holiday and we've been chatting for a minute. So, yeah. So this yeah. Let, this is more of a yeah ranty argument kind of a podcast. Uh, of course, we're, we're still going to do more tech focus. I mean, yeah, we threw some tech bites uh, bits uh, yeah, very in little, there. But yeah, in the future <laughs> you'll get some more. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we're of course we're still going to keep doing tech ones, maybe more kind of racing news related. So, uh, but yeah, if I mean, let us know if you like this style. Uh, you know, you can. Hit us up on the Facebooks, at Motorsports Tech Talk, and Instagram at Motorsports Tech Talk, uh, or just uh, just listen. As long as you keep downloading these episodes, the I guess if the the ones that get downloaded most are the ones we see as the most popular. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we look at what you download, but you know, um, obviously, you can reach out and hey, uh, if you're listening to this one and you have strong opinions about either the Supra, you know go ahead and tell us, uh, mm-hmm. reach out and just ship post on our Facebook page. Uh, tell us how we're wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, or if, uh, you don't think the Miata is a momentum car, feel free to reach out and tell us, uh, why you're wrong. Cause you are, <laughs> because it is. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah as always uh thanks again for listening uh and making it through another one so we uh we hope you you keep listening in and we'll talk to you guys again soon see you